0: It's the opening day of the college basketball season for 2022-23 and Andy Patton and I can't wait to talk about no top 25 teams playing each other.
1: You are locked on college basketball part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the first episode of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a five times per week national college hoop show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andy Patton, joined by co-host Isaac Shade. Today's episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Isaac Shade, we are so excited to be here, to be talking college hoops. We got a day of first games. I was going to say a great day of college basketball games. We have a day. It's a day. There's a lot of college basketball being played, and that is fantastic. Nobody is not excited about the return of college basketball, but there's 25 AP top teams and none of them are really playing any good games. What do you think about this?
0: Yeah. Andy, this is, this is wackadoodle, right? Like college (laughs) basketball starts right on the, like the latter third of the college football season. And so we're Mm -hmm. fighting for eyeballs. Um, And so it's like, man, we need to have, great matchups. And mm-hmm. and so what we've been saying leading up is that there's no good games on opening day, but I, th- mm-hmm. I think there's going to be good games. So I, yeah. what I've been trying to say is there's no marquee matchups is the way I've been putting it. Like you said, none of these AP preseason top 25 teams play each other. So I, w- I just went in and I was like, let me see who they are playing. Mm-hmm. So Andy, what I did is I went into Ken Palm's preseason rankings, which Listen, it's, it's nothing's perfect, but it is a helpful barometer for sure. us. And so I looked, who are each of these 25 AP top 25 teams playing? The average rank of their opponents is 250th in the nation. Yeah, Absolutely like- awful, right? The worst ranked opponent is Baylor uh, is playing Mississippi Valley State, who's 361st in the Ken Palm rankings. And oh, by the way, Andy Patton, how many Division One teams are there in college basketball?
1: 362, three, three. Right? three.
0: So Baylor is playing the third worst team in college yeah. basketball. Yeah. The, the highest or the best ranked team that a top 25 team is playing is Auburn against George Mason. George Mason is 104th in the preseason Ken Palm rankings. So what does that mean? No AP preseason top 25 team is playing a team in the top 100 in the nation. That is boring and awful. In fact, 24 of the 25 teams are, are playing a team ranked outside the top 150. There's eight games against teams in the 100s, nine games against teams in the 200s, and eight games against three teams in the 300s, five of which are outside of 350. This is not what we need to start the college basketball season with a bang. Oh, and by the way, here's one other thing on it, Andy. Every single one of these games is played at home. None of them are even going on the road. So the question for us becomes then, Andy, and and I want to throw this to you. Mm -hmm. How do we get eyeballs on college basketball to start the season?
1: Yeah, it's always going to be such a tough question. I mean, I understand why teams schedule this way. It's not one of those things where it's like we just demand teams change the way they schedule. Well, there needs to be more to it than that, because every team wants to have their first game be against an opponent that they feel comfortable playing against that they don't think is a threat for them to go zero and one to start the season and and you kind of understand why you know is playing north florida or why <laughs> baylor's playing mississippi valley state or you know whomever it may be it does make sense but that's that's the problem. <laughs> These teams are comfortable doing that. I mean, every single team did it. Every single one of the AP top 25 teams made the same decision to play this kind of game on their home turf. No, nobody stopped them from doing it. Nobody should stop them from doing it, but it creates the situation where, you know, teams are going to be like, you know, fans are going to be looking at the schedule and being like, Oh, like basketball starting who we got, who we playing. And they're going to, they're not going to recognize any teams. They're not going to recognize the team they're playing. They're not going to recognize the team that any of their favorite opponents are playing. Like they're just, they're not going to see a lot of games that, really attract a lot of interest for them factor in that it's Monday, Monday night football is going to be the the primary thing that people are watching on Monday. And like we did escape the world series, but only barely, Barely And that's just because the the Astros came
0: back and knocked off. the Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So there are some things that can be done. I, you can't legislate, That teams are, you know, have to play teams at a certain rating. That's just that's chaotic and doesn't really work. How would you determine the rankings? Like, there's a lot of messiness with that. You can dictate what day the season starts. Starting on Monday night football is probably not a great idea. Whether it's a, a Tuesday start, whether it's even a Friday start, Friday's not great. Obviously, just not a great sporting day. But like look at the look that. at the games that are happening on Friday. Of course, Gonzaga, Michigan State is the big one, but there's a lot of other really big games that are happening this Friday. Like, do you just bump the start date a few days and try to do something like that? It's a tough situation. I, I understand why teams don't want to go, you know, start their season with a playing a team that they might lose to, but at the same time, you gotta find a way to get people to watch these first couple games and, and be interested in a season starting on day one. And right now that's just not happening.
0: Yeah, and like like you said, one of the thing like college football, you can't lose a regular season game, or you are basically mm-hmm. out of the CFP. Right. College basketball, you are playing thirty plus games. It's wow. not a big deal to mm-hmm. lose to another highly ranked. To put like mm-hmm. that's why I love the Champions Classic, and I know we'll talk yeah. about that some here in a minute. But mm-hmm. when highly ranked, if if two top five teams in the nation are playing each other, yes, one will lose. But ultimately, it's not that big a deal. And so I, yes. I love what you're talking about there. Like start on a Tuesday night, which is what mm-hmm. has happened a lot in the past or yeah. even Friday. Right. Like yeah. later in the season, you can um, come back around and get rid of Fridays. But yeah. while college football's still going on and Friday right. is empty and blank, dude, let, let's just find a niche where college basketball mm-hmm. can own a night. The NFL mm-hmm. owns Monday night. Don't yep. try to take it away from them by starting today.
1: What I would love to see too, like we can't legislate teams play certain teams. I understand that that's not going to (laughs) be something that the NCAA is going to push for or that really makes sense. But I would love to see ways where some marquee power five programs play some some up and coming talented mid-major teams. That I think would be fantastic. And a big part of that is because these mid-major programs really, really have a hard time scheduling at the level that they want to play at. Uh, Gonzaga had this, issue for a very long time. They have since kind of come out of it in part because of teams like North Carolina being willing to come to Spokane and actually play them in the kennel, uh, the way that Texas has done way that North Carolina has done. That's a nice shot at Coach there, Andy.
0: (laughs) The way that Kentucky
1: almost has done. (laughs) But with like teams like St. Mary's, for example, like they, they can't schedule these kinds of teams. They're very fortunate to have Houston on their schedule, but that's because both those teams are kind of in a similar situation where if you were to go call up, High-profile programs and, and Power Five coaches—they don't want to go out to Moraga, California, and lose. They don't want to do that, and I don't blame them. Why would they want that? There's not much of a benefit to them yep. Yep. to doing that. But for St. Mary's, or you know, hundreds of other programs that are are good mid-major programs that just cannot get that kind of traction on the schedule-wise. What if we found a way to make it so that St. Mary's is playing UCLA? Oh. You know, what if we found a way to make it so that UAB is playing? like North Carolina or something like that. Like how can we make it so that those kind of games are happening so that we get a chance to see some of these really, really good mid-major programs who most people don't get to see until March. And even then there could be a a phenomenal mid-major team throughout the regular season that that gets bounced early in March. We've seen that a bunch of times and those teams just kind of get forgotten and never really get talked about again. And I would love to see some of those teams get a chance to play a high profile program early in the year. And I, I love that. And you
0: and I would love that. But the casual basketball yeah, fan, right. it, they're just not going to care about those mid-major. Like you and yeah. I were like geeking yeah. out on it because like, dude, I want to see St. Mary's knock off UCLA. Right. But, but the people we're trying to get the eyeballs from, they're like, I want to see the Champions Classic. Let's mm-hmm. use that example at mm-hmm. this point. Right. So the champions classic typically has been played on a Tuesday as it will be this year next Tuesday. Right. Uh, if my calendar math is all right in my head. Um, <laughs> but typically we have four high, high level programs, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas and Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I love the years where that has been the first day of the college basketball season. Right. Not only that but it's either like at halftime of one of the games or in between, it's the initial college football playoff rankings drop. And so Mm -hmm. you get all these people coming in from football land, which is awesome. um, But they're coming to say, well, I'm going to watch the football playoff reveal. Let -hmm. me go ahead and watch Kentucky and Duke have it out, right? Like, yeah. And so like, I just think that's the only way in terms of like, if we're going to keep the schedule starting early November, that's one of the only ways to start getting eyeballs on it. Now, I know there's a longer conversation that we're going to have at some point about do we bump back to I I think you've even talked about like feast week or do we bump back till January and have May madness instead of March madness where college basketball might be the only thing going at that point and Mm -hmm. I, I just think there's much bigger conversations that we're going to have to have to figure this out
1: yeah I mean you you're maybe talking you're competing with with baseball you know early season major league baseball in May but like there's some, definitely some, some options there. I think the Champions Classic, being able to find a way to do that to start the season, get some eyeballs on the game, is absolutely something that the NCAA uh, needs to consider because this slate of games on a Monday, it's just not getting it done.
0: No, it is absolutely not getting it done. Well, we do want to talk about what kind of slate of games there are. Are we going to find any upsets? Are we going to find any exciting games at all? But first, before we do that, I want to tell you about Linkedin. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post. Why not give it a try? You just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to let people know that you're hiring. And then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skill sets and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. You want to finish the year strong and the right new hire can help you do just that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so Mr. Andy, we've, you know, we're trying to figure out here, like we don't have marquee games. But surely there have to be some games worthy of watching. And surely uh, there are going to be some upsets, right? Like this is the nature of having 353 teams. It's going to happen. So let's unpack for the good people some games that we're watching and maybe an upset or two that we might think come to fruition.
1: Yeah, you know, for me, I was looking at the top 25. Obviously, (laughs) they're not playing a whole lot of competitive (laughs) games. So it's a little (laughs) tough. I, I decided to put down one team. Uh, that I thought there's at least a chance we could see an upset there Uh, for me. That is Alabama number 20th ranked team in the AP poll 17th in Ken Palm. They're playing Longwood. The Lancers. The Lancers, 166th (laughs) per Ken Palm, which is one of the highest among the top 25 opponents. Longwood was really, really good last year. Really, really good last season, 15 and one in league play. Uh, They returned two fifth year seniors and Isaiah Wilkins, Deshaun Wade. Both those guys were a huge part of what they did last year to be successful. Beyond that, Alabama, a lot of turnover. A lot of turnover. Nate Oats is a phenomenal coach. This team has yeah. done a lot of really good things while having a lot of turnover in previous years. So maybe it's too much to discount them, but we're talking game one. This Alabama team is going to be really, really good in March, but are they going to be really, really good on November 7th? Hard to say. A lot of freshmen, Mark Sears, really talented player as a transfer. But again, you're looking at a starting lineup that's basically brand new for the Crimson Tide, playing a team that beat just about everybody that they played last year. I'm not saying I'm betting on Alabama to lose necessarily, but I'm going to be watching that game pretty closely because I think there's a chance that Longwood could come out and at least make that one pretty interesting for the Crimson Tide.
0: And when you rely on the three, like Alabama yeah. does, there's just so much variability. If, if you're off and mm-hmm. game one jitters, who knows? I love yeah. it, Andy. What else?
1: Yeah. I, for me, I, I didn't pick any other, any other, um, upset, certainly in games. the top yeah. 25 big games. Uh, George Mason and Auburn, you know, obviously George Mason is the highest ranked team that a top 25 opponent is playing. I'm also very interested in Oral Roberts versus St. Mary's, a very, very mid-major game, a very niche game uh, for for my interests in particular. But uh, Max Abness is one of the best scoring guards in the entire country for Oral Roberts. St. Mary's is one of the best defensive teams in the entire country. That's a fun matchup. That is a fun matchup to see how somebody like Logan Johnson at St. Mary's is going to defend Max Abness, how that whole thing is going to shake out. Um, And then, of course, you have Memphis and Vanderbilt, which is one of the more exciting in terms of just marquee two marquee opponents playing each other. Obviously, it's a Power 5 program versus a really, really good program in Memphis. Uh, It's also going to be a a close game. It's going to be a tight game, I think. It's going to be a really interesting one to see how that shakes out uh, for Penny Hardaway and his squad uh, against Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I love watching uh, Max A. Smith there from Oral Mm -hmm. Roberts, like uh, uh, clearly one of the leading candidates for Mm -hmm. potentially leading the nation in scoring, just a little diminutive guy, always Mm -hmm. fun. And obviously uh, Oral Roberts only really comes up when uh, they're playing in the tournament. So hopefully we can get some eyes on them against St. Mary's for those uh, who love a good mid-major matchup. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm right there with you on, you talked about uh, Auburn and George Mason that that mm-hmm. is my top 25 pick for a potential upset um, mm-hmm. as you said or uh, George Mason top uh, ranked uh, team that these AP top 25 teams are playing Auburn's mm-hmm. a little bit banged up right now they're yeah. looking to try to replace both the third pick in the NBA draft in Jabari Smith and the 22nd pick in the NBA draft in Walker Kessler the mm-hmm. guards are fantastic at Auburn but they're inconsistent and they're inefficient. And so uh, George Mason has some opportunities there. Another one that I'm kind of looking at as a potential is maybe LaSalle over Villanova. Um, Villanova, as we know, it's not just Duke and John Shire as a high profile um, Mm -hmm. program, replacing their longtime coach. Jay Wright has retired from Villanova. Kyle Neptune comes in. What a great name. Love that. (laughs) And, And Justin Moore, um, Right, it, it suffered that injury in the Elite Eight last mm-hmm. year. Um, we're just not really sure when he'll be back, and so, uh, where, where does Villanova go there? So, you're looking at LaSalle and what they maybe do. Uh, we've got we've got a fun matchup USC versus uh Dunk City Florida Gulf yeah. Coast um, and uh, as, as you've noted in our in our Google drive here man it's so mm-hmm. cool Andy Enfield yeah. who's the coach at USC came to fame there down in Florida at Florida Gulf Coast with that great mm-hmm. run in the NCAA tournament and so uh cannot wait to see these two teams go at it there and so man uh there so there certainly are some fun matchups and, and we expect to see um some upsets on this day
1: absolutely i think there's going to be some good games it's a it's a full slate of college basketball games there's rarely not good games in some capacity just when you have that many teams together playing uh, i it could be better there could be some more marquee games but at the end of the day we're happy college hoops is back. We're happy that we get a chance to see uh, a bunch of teams in action for the first time. And really, we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of those games. We're also going to talk about the the thing that we saw a lot happen this year, which is really the the increase in secret scrimmages, and also uh, at least in the case of Gonzaga and Tennessee, not so secret scrimmages, <laughs> and kind of what that might look like going forward. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchup, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every single game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every single sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. To the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action bet online where the game starts all right isaac segment three here we're talking exhibition games we're talking about a potential kind of solution to the problem wow. we were discussing in the first two segments i don't know that it is a full-on replacement <laughs> that's right for that type of situation but Uh, Certainly Gonzaga and Tennessee uh, had their pay-per-view scrimmage game that was televised, that was public for anybody to watch, provided they were willing to spend $10 on an exhibition (laughs) game, which not everybody was willing to do, understandably. Uh, We've seen a lot of great teams play each other in secret scrimmages. We know Duke and Houston played each other in that situation. I'm curious kind of your thoughts on these scrimmages in general and also if there's maybe an avenue towards using them to maybe get some more eyeballs on college basketball to start the season.
0: Man. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so first let's make sure everyone's up to speed on this. So the NCAA allows teams to play two, either two exhibition games or like one exhibition and one secret scrimmage. And so we mm-hmm. see different, just different programs, different coaches like to attack things different ways i feel like the most prevailing thing that we see is one exhibition game in one secret scrimmage against another d1 opponent and so that that's been the thing for a while some of them are not so secret scrimmages like you just referenced mm-hmm. uh, duke and houston we know that houston won uh, yeah. that that exhibition but some of them some of these secret scrimmages they don't even necessarily um play just like a full 40 minute yeah. game. There's like sections and pieces and Andy mm-hmm. will let you talk about the Gonzaga, Tennessee exhibition mm-hmm. or uh secret mm-hmm. <laughs> secret scrimmage. Cause we know yeah. you were obviously following that closely, but um it, for me, it's fine to have secret scrimmages. Like for mm-hmm. example, I know that uh, North Carolina and Rutgers had one this year and they were, it, it's very tight lipped. Like yeah. no one is allowed to talk about it. And that's what I detest is yeah. like, it's just, there's no point in it to me, right? You're at the point in the season where you're a week, maybe two weeks away from Mm -hmm. everyone seeing what you got. Why try to hide it at that point? And so um, like, uh, to me, I love what Gonzaga and Tennessee did. Mm -hmm. I think it is fantastic for the brand of college basketball. I think it serves as, as a great lead up, especially when it's, to like, since we don't have any top 25 teams playing each other today, we mm-hmm. had that in Tennessee and Gonzaga not that long ago. Which, yep. um, you know, you've got two of the top, I, I think Tennessee is a top 10 team in the nation. Yeah. I, think they're, I think they're actually ranked 11th, they're the season, 11th, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like to me, this is two top 10 teams yeah. this season playing one another. Um, and If that's not the only solution, I think it's a great one. I think it's a great way to infuse money by getting this pay-per-view into it and um, get people just watching. And again, doing it on a night that doesn't compete with college football or NFL stuff. Those are the types of things we need to be able to see.
1: And the, the Gonzaga Tennessee thing, like, like, yeah, the pay-per-view element is probably not the, it, it's definitely not the way to get as many eyeballs as possible no, on the no. game. Obviously that is not, was not, and is not the intended goal in that situation, but it's worth pointing out that a, the product was really good for anybody who did watch the Gonzaga Tennessee game. The, the video quality was excellent. Uh, there was no, you know, it didn't cut out or anything like that. There's no weird camera angles or hot mics or anything like that. It was a really, really clean, nice, consistent product it worked exceptionally well and then the actual gameplay and then the way that the coaches interacted was was fantastic it's uh, unusual for mark few in particular because he's not typically very open in these situations but we had like in-game conversations where Fran Fraschilla was going down to the sideline and he talked to Rick Barnes. He talked to Mark few while the game was happening. Both coaches were only half paying attention to what Fran was saying to them, but that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. That made it more entertaining that Fran would ask a question. And then Rick would wait like six seconds to respond because he was waiting for a play to develop. And it, it was perfect. It was, it was fantastic to see these two guys who've been friends for a long time, both obviously extraordinarily talented head coaches Uh, going at each other. And and I think we saw the exact benefits for the game of college basketball, but we also saw why some coaches don't want to do this. Gonzaga got spanked in the second half of this game. They were up by four at halftime. They lost by 19 points. They lost 99 to 80. Their defense in the second half looked atrocious. Now, they have zero losses on the season. They exactly. have the same number of losses as everybody else at the time of us recording this on Sunday afternoon, they have the same number of losses, but they're the impression that people who watch that game have of this team has changed. And in some cases that's maybe not terrible. Some of the concerns that people had about Gonzaga, namely their lack of rim protection and some concerns on their perimeter defense showed up in a significant way in this mm-hmm. game. those, concerns are not gone it's not like oh well the game didn't count so I guess it just doesn't matter they're still there they're still prevalent but they would have been visible in Gonzaga's first game of the season regardless of whether we saw them against Tennessee or not that's the kind that kind of goes to your point of like look you're going to see this stuff anyway there's no point in hiding it a week beforehand and like in the Duke Houston situation like we didn't see the tape but we heard that Duke shot two of 17 for three I'd almost rather watch the game than have the only tidbit of information I have about my team is that they shot two for seventeen from three. That almost makes me feel worse. Now Gonzaga or Duke losing to Houston is probably not that abnormal of a result. Houston's really really good, uh, and but, the and the older more experienced team, right? And Duke was missing one of their freshmen; uh, he wouldn't even play. Uh, so that that obviously is a factor there as well. But I think these kind of games, like Gonzaga and Tennessee, claimed hey, we're going into this, we're playing our starters, we're playing our normal lineups, we're, we're doing everything normally. And I think for the most part, it looked like that. I think that there was some clear evidence that both sides were attempting, you know, maybe new sets on defense or new ways to do certain things that didn't work in, in a lot of cases, for yeah. the, at least on the defensive end. But that's the kind of stuff that I love. And I yeah. think that making that a little bit more visible – uh, obviously taking away the pay-per-view element, although that money did go to charity to go to the McClendon foundation for uh, minority students to get scholarships at Tennessee. So I want to be clear, it was a very yeah. good cause yes, yes, absolutely. the money was going to, but if, we, if our goal is visibility, our goal is more marquee matchups early in the season. And we know that one of the hurdles is that coaches don't want to play these games and risk getting losses early in the year. This is a way to fix that. It's not perfect. No. And it's not exactly what fans want. And a lot of fans just aren't going to care if it's an exhibition game. And I you can't really blame them. I, that's understandable. Yeah. But it is at least a temporary fix. And doing stuff like the in-game interviews. Having Mark Few explain something that he's, that he's attempting to do a, while coaching in the Boy, middle of a game, it's probably not his preference. But if you can get them to do that in these exhibition-style games when they know the result doesn't matter – you're making your product better, you're making your fan base more informed, more interested, more engaged in the product, and you're doing it without sacrificing the potential to lose a game. I think that there's a lot of a lot of positives in that.
0: Yeah, and, and we've got to figure out like why is that hesitation from coaches a thing? Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like they just don't get like, hey, yes, you you want to put the best public-facing uh view on your team that you can, mm-hmm. but like you have to be okay with taking an L against yeah. a- another premier team. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that means we got to find better ways to educate fan bases or, or the mm-hmm. national basketball fandom of like, yeah. Hey, it, it's okay to take a, a loss against another program yeah. because mm-hmm. It's not, again, like we said earlier, it's not college football. You're going to have right. opportunities. And so, um, I mean, maybe there's even opportunities like, what if we got some kind of tournament-y, round-robin-y, right. like, um, here's a, here's an example I'll use, and then I'll, I'll let you take, take mm-hmm. it from there, is um, like uh, the local high school football team where I live is fantastic. And they yeah. do what's called a jamboree. And there's three other schools that come in and mm-hmm. they just take turns kind of scrimmaging each other for like yeah. a quarter or whatever it is. And it's just like this round robin thing where everyone gets an opportunity to try stuff. Like you were talking about different lineup combinations. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy, what might something like that look like and how might that draw in even more people?
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I would wonder how, how willing teams would be to travel uh, for a situation like that, like Gonzaga went all the way to Texas to play Tennessee, but they didn't go all the way to, to Texas to play Tennessee for a quarter and then play two other teams for a quarter. Like they went there to, to to really legitimately play this team. Now there were some other factors as well, like the fact that the athletic department met with Big 12 commissioner Brett Yormack while they were down there. That's the kind of thing that, <laughs> that we didn't know about at the time, but we know more about now. And, and the, the location was chosen specifically because it's the hometown of Drew Timmy, which was a factor there as well. But I think for – for something like this to work, I think you would need to figure it out geographically and figure out a way for like, like could you get three or four teams that are located fairly close to each other? And like the Carolinas might make some sense. There's a lot of pretty yeah. good basketball in yeah. that area. You put three or four teams together in a gym, you let people come to the game, you let it be televised. And like maybe North Carolina scrimmages, you know, East Carolina for a quarter. And then they scrimmage, I, I doubt they'd ever do it with Duke, but then they scrimmage Duke for like <laughs> or whatever it may be. They find a way to play, a couple, you know, 12 minutes of basketball against various different schools in the area. I think that would be fantastic. I do not know that there would be enough interest for it to like make a significant dent in the in the concern we're talking about of like not enough eyeballs on college sports or on college basketball to start the season but I do think there's a market for it. I think people would like it and I think at the end of the day if you could find a way to do that maybe you have like it's cheap or free for kids to come they can come into the stadium have a bunch of have a good time see their favorite players uh, and it's not this super serious event I think that'd be really really fun I think a lot of people would like it
0: yeah, I love that last point you made, Andy. There's some great like potential NIL opportunities or um, a, like a, a meet players, lunch, mm-hmm. like some VIP, like, like go have a luncheon with the players or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I, I think to bottom line, this whole last conversation we're having, mm-hmm. what Gonzaga in Tennessee did mm-hmm. is at the very least a stepping stone to better early season opportunities to get more eyeballs on the brand of college basketball. Well, folks, it's hard to believe it's the end of the inaugural first show of Locked on College Basketball. Uh, So excited to start sharing this with you. Andy and I are. And uh, man, we are going to be back tomorrow to share with you our bold predictions for the upcoming college basketball season. We cannot wait to do that. For those of you who are tuning in, we're so grateful that you're here. Please check a second, subscribe to the show. For those of you watching on YouTube, smash the like button, leave some comments on what you're looking forward to this season as well. We want to thank you for making Locked on College Basketball your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked on Sports Today, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. Enjoy this first day full of college basketball. Man, I believe like Baylor tips off at noon. So enjoy a day full of games, and we'll be right back here with you tomorrow. Until then, peace out.